It's another Football Friday. You're on Across the Line, and today we catch you up on the latest that has been going on in the world of Philippine football. Uh, the last time we spoke about the latest, it was about Senes Negros folding. Today, we've got more positive news. A new team has arrived on the Philippine stage, and their name is quite interesting. We talk about them. We talk about a big team that has been in the news quite recently, and then we also speak about the imminent return to training for professional clubs. A lot transpired over the last two weeks after a very quiet last four months. Chris, here we go. Philippine football seems to be on a roll. What a two weeks. What a two weeks since our last episode. It's been incredible. Um, obviously, the last episode that we did about um, series folding and now a risen from the flames like a phoenix and United City FC is born. So we talk a little bit about them. Um, new addition on the coaching staff apparently they're hot, hot off the press um, obviously talk about Global being back in the news for all the wrong reasons after a, a scandal has uh, come to providence in the last couple of weeks um, and then yeah as you said all of the protocols coming out now with regards to training all of the things that we need to be aware of uh, in order to start the sessions for the upcoming PFL League really exciting news really exciting for uh, all the Philippine football fans, and we're just really excited to, to get the league up and running. We get an opportunity to break it all down on this episode. If you enjoy it, please do subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Look for us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And uh, feel free to drop us a line over there. And without further ado, this is the latest episode of Across the Line. It's been a few weeks since the big news of Ceres Negros folding. And since then, there's been a lot going on in the world of Philippine football. And here to talk about it is myself and Chris Greatwich of Across the Line. How's it going, Chris? Very good, sir. How are you? Doing all right. Missed what the 50th in- episode, man. I know, I know. A travesty. Yeah, I know. It was like I said to you earlier. It's, it's great to have someone with a little bit of professionalism doing the intros now rather than my... Um, hatchet job that I I had to do uh, for the James episode but yes so much has happened in the last couple of weeks so we'll we'll try to uncover um, some of those things but yeah the 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 big news obviously of the day is that we have a new club or a new name um, joining us for the PFL what do you think of it well it was all a bit dramatic uh, a couple weeks ago when we 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 put out the episode you know would it be the end of Philippine club football Mm. with Sarah's folding now we've got somebody that has taken their place. And um, with all things considered, the news that it's coming out, it's going to be very much uh, the same sort of look. The players are going to be similar. The management's going to be the same. But the new name is in. You don't have to choose, Chris. Are you a United fan? Are you a City fan? You can be both. You can be United City FC. What do you think of the new name, Chris? Oh, uh, it was definitely met with some hostility, wasn't it? When it was, <laughs> it was, it was shared on on various social media platforms. Um, I, I guess it's in keeping with the fact that they're probably unsure of how it's, this is all going to develop, how this is all going to pan out. Um, obviously, trying to keep some semblance of of the previous regime with the players, with the management, and and, and some of the staff members, etc. Um, but yeah, obviously, the the name. Um, took a bit of a beating. I think the the logo took a bit of a beating, and then the subsequent um, the logo campaign that, that maybe tried to salvage that a little bit. I saw that that came out pretty quickly. Um, so maybe try to 
uh, remedy or rectify some of those uh, early exchanges. But for me personally, yes, put the name to one side for for a second. I, I'm hoping that they'll maybe try to find a geographical location uh, for that club at some point, and then they'll be able to attach themselves to a community, which I think is um, is one of the mandates that they have as a club. Uh, and obviously was one of the stronger aspects of, of Serres um, as a club compared to maybe some of the other PFL teams was they did have that strong sense of community from um, from the people of of, um, of Bacolod. So I'm hoping that that can continue in whatever guys they, they come under and whatever community they attach themselves moving forward. Um, for me, obviously, the bigger picture is it's important that we continue with the league. So to have a team of, of Serres' stature still continuing on, even in the new guys, is really, really important just to keep the profile of the league high. Obviously, they're going to continue with the AFC mm-hmm. um, competition, which is which is hugely important for, for the domestic game. Um, but yeah, I, I think for, for more than the name, more than obviously where they're going to be located, for me, the, the most important aspect is that that club um, just continues to operate in order to, to keep Philippine football alive. So the... The specifics of um, the ownership change is that Saris is out and we have uh, a familiar face taking over. One of mm-hmm. four owners, I believe. His name is Eric, uh, the German, uh, Gochak. I believe, is that how you say is his name? Good, or, uh, sounds uh, amazing pronunciation to me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's been in and around Philippine football for, for a number of years mm-hmm. now. So when, when the opportunity came around, I, I believe he, he took advantage of being able to acquire what has been the most prolific and most successful uh, Philippine club over the last five years. So uh, the interesting thing about the change of ownership is the way they perceive uh, how to run a football club, right? Uh, Eric speaks a lot about how we operate mostly as teams, not really as clubs. Uh, there's not a lot of membership involved from from uh, the community of the, the teams that are involved. And, and, and therefore... Uh, it's really just uh, a, a bunch of owners who are running professional teams, essentially, is what he's saying. Mm. Uh, and he's very specific about wanting to address the lack of engagement with fans and uh, utilization of technology. So uh, there could be some interesting uh, new changes in the way this new club presents itself to the people. And as you said, they are still shopping around for a geographical location where they can really start to build the community. I think the first time I, I came across Eric was with the national team and he was involved in some capacity. I'm not too quite, I'm not quite sure what it was um, with, I think it was the Nepal game that we had in the Middle East. And I know his background was in kind of events and um, you know, that, that sort of side of things. And I remember that crowd uh, that we had for the Nepal Philippines game. I forget what year it was now, but they said it was the biggest crowd that they'd ever had in that particular stadium. I don't want to get it wrong. So you, I forget the name of the stadium, but it was a raucous crowd. Marketing behind the game was great. There was a huge Nepalese community in the Middle East at the time because of the um, uh, the number of, of stadia being built for the Qatar World Cup. Uh, and then obviously the Filipino community was, was engaged. We managed to get a huge crowd in there. And obviously subsequently we've gone back on, on numerous occasions because it's, it's been a home away from home um, for, for many of the um, for the, the Philippine national team. Uh, he's, he's obviously been involved in other um, sporting events here in the Philippines. I think he was involved in the, in the tennis when it came here as well. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's, 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 been, there's been a lot of involvement in 
the Philippines sporting arena with Eric. Um, so I'm just hoping that that kind of different perspective will enable them to, to operate um, a more sustainable club, which is something that we, we've been really harping on about from the get-go um, with regards to how football clubs should be run in this country. Um, it, I think there's another really interesting side note to this, which has only come out recently, is there is going to be a new addition to the coaching staff. Um, I, I don't know what you make of um, the, the latest announcement, but Stefan Schock, at first I thought it was going to be a retirement. I was a bit nervous. I was like, wow, <laughs> uh, are, are we going to have another retirement on our hands? But he, he's, he's intimated that he's really keen to get involved on the coaching side, which is, um, which is a really interesting development. I don't know what your thoughts are with regards to that. Well, first and foremost, having Stefan Schock back playing in the PFL is mm. huge, not only for UCFC, but for the league as a whole. Uh, the entertainment value that Schrock brings to the table is, is immense, right? Um, so him being back with UCFC is great, um, but him getting involved in coaching, that's, yeah, as, as you said, you know, not something that I for, foresaw uh, to happen. Uh, that's a word, right? Foresaw? That, that, that I believe there yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't see it on the cards, especially not this soon. But uh, it's nice to see where his head's at, and then he actually wants to get involved in that scene because um, it's one thing to learn from somebody who has a lot of intellect, a lot of knowledge about the game, but also to learn from somebody who you've seen on mm. TV absolutely bamboozle defenders and play on the biggest stage in Asia. That's going to be very, very inspiring for a, a huge generation or a, a new generation of footballers. So uh, it, it'll be exciting to see Shraki getting involved and to see maybe if it'll be the youth that he eventually gets mm. himself involved with. I think it's a huge coup as well because there, there, was, there was a lot of noise surrounding where he might potentially go. You know, no. I, I, don't think, I don't think he was short of suitors. So I think that there's, there's sort of two things that I think mm. are really important with this with this announcement and the first one is exactly what you said it's important for the domestic game that he comes back because you do need a headliner and and without question he is the headline act um for the domestic football scene but the second the second thing that, and a strand that i think is actually maybe even more important is the fact that he's intimating this and if you judge by like a lot of his movements you know he's been involved with um like the Sevens League, for example, you know, he's, he's, he's brought into a franchise there. He's, he's helped get involved with um, building the community down in Bacolod um, with that particular project. You know, it sounds like he wants to, to get involved in coaching here in the Philippines, specifically with an eye to doing something else here. Mm. Uh, you know, I know there's some people who have intimated that maybe this, this might be the, the, a route into maybe trying to get himself in uh, you know, I mean, he was a national team coach one day. Who knows? Um, but I think it seems as though exactly what you said. Maybe it's him to get involved with a youth segment. Maybe it's just trying to work with some of the younger, more inexperienced professionals. Um, but I think having that knowledge, having that experience, um, is hugely, hugely valuable to, to the Philippine football community because um, you know we've lost a lot in, in recent years. You know, Phil Young has been gone, James Young has been gone. Um, we've got to try and keep someone like him around in, in order to keep um, keep that spirit alive because he is one of the last sort of bastions of that um, that previous f sort of Philippine Azkel regime that, that needs to keep that fire going um, in order to pass the torch onto the next generation. Massively, massively important. 
and also uh, actions speak louder than words, right? Um, you mm-hmm. know, he's a difficult guy to pin down, Stefan Schrock, uh, especially, you know, he's got a persona online that could rub you the wrong way if you don't actually follow how he's gone about himself here in the Philippine football arena, you know, and, and if the, the largest part that, that illuminated to me where his head that is his episode on this podcast. I wasn't involved in the show yet, but what, a sh- what, what an episode that was. If you guys have not listened to that one or seen that one, definitely go back and check that one out. And you get a sense of why Stefan Schrock is so passionate about the, his Philippine side mm. of his heritage. And um, I think he wants to make uh, an opera, um, make himself into a bastion of progress down the road once he gets out of the game. And I think he's putting in the foundations to that already. By you know getting into the coaching, owning a little bit of a, of um, a team and a franchise of sevens in in Bacolod, he's getting yep. himself entrenched in the game, and it's it's nice to see him getting started early. You know, it's what you want, isn't it? It's what you want. Yeah. Like who who better for these people to learn off than someone like him? You know, I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people who are doing it. Obviously, from my generation, myself, Ali's obviously involved in the club. Anton's doing his thing. So my generation has been has been really active in trying to cultivate and generate um that sort of atmosphere that environment around the game so to have another player um with even more experience you know even more higher caliber um absolutely you know hopefully that's that's what we need in order to propel the game to to another level uh, for sure he's gonna be a polarizing character you know yeah. i think i think i think when he posted that he signed he said um he said something like that's that's um that's the team that's already announced that they will be the favourites for the title, right? So, yeah. you know, we're, it, already the, the mark has been laid down. So I think it's great. You know, like I know in the Philippine culture, it's sometimes frowned upon to be that way. Um, but obviously, I know you talked about it a lot. Like for me, it's great because that's how you get these rivalries. That's how you get that um, that fire burning between uh, between players, between clubs, between organisations, between fans, eventually that's what we would like to see, um, and and that's how you you have these intense situations that that we want to see alive and well again in, in Philippine football because we haven't seen that in the last couple of years. So um, fantastic to have him back. I think that's a huge coup for the club and a huge coup for the league. And and the beautiful thing about Stefan Schrock is, uh, despite the amount of pressure he might place on himself and team. They always perform. Stefan Schrock puts in the work. So yeah. he's not afraid to put that, uh, that pressure on himself. Yeah. And, you know, just like Floyd Mayweather and, and mm-hmm. other characters who wish to lose, they're going to put in the work and they're going to come out and they're going to disappoint you more often than not. So um, if you're going to watch him if you want, uh, by, because you want him to lose or you watch him because you want to see some spectacular play, either way, eyeballs on the league, that's good stuff. Stefan Schrock coming back alongside 17 other players formerly of Ceres Negros means you've got an instant title challenger on their hands uh, when I'm speaking of the new owners. Um, But the question is, without Coach Risto, will you be able to replicate the kind of results you guys got over the previous three years? And next, how big of a factor is a shortened season? The league's going to start in September. It's not going to be two, three rounds, it's maybe one round, and then maybe like a knockout uh, type situation. We don't know, mm. but it's going to be a shortened league. So um, how much time are they going to need to get back to that uh, level of play that 
they've utilized to dominate Philippine football over the last three years? Uh, that's the big question right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the Risto one, we, we, we have no idea, do we? Um, I'd love to see him back. Obviously, he's worked wonders with that team. So let's see what happens. I, I think they, they've obviously mentioned in their initial um, press release that they wanted to have him back. So let's watch this space. Hopefully he comes back because I think he's great for the game. Um, yeah, the, the second one, I don't know. Like, on the one hand, a shortened season for me means that, you know, the tiniest mistake, the little, the little slip up will open the door for someone to go in and, and, and take that opportunity. However, history seems to suggest that the Serres team does not need any preparation time at all. It's, it, it absolutely suggests that there is, is history for that, is previous for that. You've only got to look at how well they performed in AFC Champions League qualifying games with little or no prep, no training sessions. They've gone to some pretty hostile environments and got results. You know, only have to look at this year, Thai Port, previous years, Brisbane Raw. They, they, they weren't in season, Jing. They weren't in season and they were going out to these places and getting away mm. wins mm. in some of these hostile environments. You know, going back to the whole shocky thing, that guy keeps himself in f- unbelievable shape year round. He doesn't take days off. So, you know, if, if that's your main guy and he's doing that, you've got to be pretty confident that the re- he's, he's got the other guys ticking along quite nicely and if the other teams aren't as professional then they're going to need to take two three games maybe to find their rhythm my hunch is they're going to hit the ground running they're going to hit the ground running and they're going to be a very difficult juggernaut to stop so yeah I, i see where you're coming from with the fact that if it's a shortened season maybe that opens the door for someone but my my feeling is They've, they've just historically been able to come off a break, click straight into gear, and they're away. And once they get their noses in front, they're very, very hard to peg back. And there's going to be all kinds of incentives for them to do well as well. Um, group stages of the Champions League on the line. Yeah. So if they win this season, if it's shortened, whatever, place an asterisk next to it, it doesn't matter. They're going to get an opportunity to play in the Champions League, and this time they're going to get a full run out six matches, proper group stage. It'll be interesting to see how that transpires if they do make it um, in that direction. And key also in terms of the ambition of the players uh, yeah. on that side. So, uh, what's, the, what's the deal also, Jing, with regards to the AFC and any updates with, with, with that program? The understanding is that they are looking for a late September launch of the okay. AFC Cup or resumption. Um, the understanding is that Vietnam Nam is going to be the venue for two groups. One of the groups is yet to be decided. That's Group H, where Kaya is at. Uh, okay. The venue of which is not sure because Indonesia's got high cases. Philippines got high cases. Mm-hmm. Myanmar, um, I, I don't believe they trust whether or not they are reporting enough cases. Uh, right. Singapore is also not doing so well. So uh, whether it's going to be a neutral venue, uh, regardless, it's going to be centralized. That's the understanding. Really? And all okay. matches will be played in a condensed period. Um, yeah. So what are we, what are we looking at? Like, like, so how many group games you got left in AFC at the moment? Is it what three, three. games left? So they're going to be Still what three games over the course of a week or ten days, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, two weeks right. max uh, plus a quarantine okay. period. So something yeah. of that nature. I suppose that will kind of the reason why I asked that was that would obviously impact how 
things were done in the league as well because everything's going to have to be fit into this really condensed season. So again, maybe that's where a team might feel as though they might have an opportunity to uh, perhaps gain some yards on someone like a Ceres or someone like a Kaya. Um, yeah. you know, if, if they're going away for 10 days, plus the travel time, you know, plus all of the trappings that come with playing, you know, so many fixtures in a short period of time, you know, maybe that might open the door for some of the other teams to perhaps make some ground in that respect when it's in the condensed season. So really interesting to see how this is all going to pan out. Because, um, I mean, we've waited this long to, 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 to get the season up and running and uh, so many developments in, in, in recent weeks as well. I just I'm very much looking forward to see how this can all play out because there's so much riding on this season, um, namely with that, that, that Champions League group stage on the line. Um, and when you listen to Araneta, uh, president of the PFF, uh, Nono Araneta, speak about his hopes for this season, he still seems pretty positive about it. You know, uh, he thinks it's going to push through. He's he's been positive about that. They, you have to commend the PFF. They've been good about ensuring that they're right on top of the um, the task force responsible for approving the return of of, of particular sports. Mm-hmm. Um, Right when they they had their window, they they were able to submit the protocols, which means the the PFL, ahead of uh, other sports like volleyball, are already on track to to restarting training sessions, and there has been final approval on that already. Which means as early as next week, we might be back on the pitch. Uh, of no football being ended uh, by next week, so hopefully that 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 transpires. And it'll be a, a real test to see who's been keeping shape, you know, yeah. uh, of, all, of all the players. But, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about this league is, you know, you've still got the Ascals development team, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the new team in, in United City Football Club. Kai is still involved. Mendiola, Stallion. And then you've got Global in there as well, who, who've been making a lot of news lately, Chris. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's been a huge question mark over Global. Are they going to come in? Are they not going to come in? And then earlier this year, they started pumping out the news that they were making new signings and big names from academies of United, the academies of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So you know, the buzz was that okay, we're gonna we're gonna see something exciting from from this camp. Uh, hopefully, they've gotten all of their troubles behind them. But it seems some of the troubles are coming up to catch them, and uh, they've they've come out in recent time, Chris. Yeah, so huge news coming out of um, Global's camp this week. Um, obviously, what sort of start, started this snowball of, uh, effect was a graphic designer, um, say graphics, um, renowned for doing these incredible logos and these incredible um, artworks for a lot of the football clubs, a lot of the football players here in the Philippines. And by my understanding, it, it they they had done some artwork for for Global and had not been paid um, for the works that they had been doing. Um, they'd obviously sent invoices, sent um, uh, a period in which they wanted the, the money to be paid. It wasn't paid. Um, it blocked them from the Instagram account, which meant that uh, communication was no longer viable. Uh, and then the news was broken that. They hadn't been paid, um, that they would be making this public, and all of a sudden, everything just collapsed around the the the, the global football club. Uh, 
some of those players you, that you mentioned, guys that had been you know, promised salaries, signing on fees, bonuses, etc. Um, they had not been paid. Players from the previous campaigns had also not been paid, which left obviously with the PFL uh, having to, to call them in, um, the powers that be from, from the organisation, and, and gave them a 10-day mandate to make all their wrongs right. Uh, we are currently about seven days. By the time this recording, we'll be close to eight, nine days. So um, it's a really interesting time because, I mean, global is synonymous with success here in, in the Philippines. So to see the demise of that football club is is just a travesty because, you know, when I came over here, they were probably the, the, the shining example of what Philippine football was like on the, on the domestic scene, on the club scene. And, and to see them as they are now, it, it's, it's, it's just a travesty. It really, really is. Um, and, and I really hope that they can, they, can, they can fix this because the situation is pretty dire. And there's a lot of people in that football club who owed a lot of money. So I really hope that that, that situation gets fixed up pretty quickly. Um, and they're able to participate in this league because we, we need a fully fit, healthy global to, to be operational. Because if they're not, it, it's a huge, huge loss. For the PFL. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if, if Global do come back and they do sort things out, it'd be nice to get a Global that isn't a shadow of itself, which mm. they have been over the last two years, right? Global has not really been Global. Global has been fighting for survival just to exist. Uh, and, and really, Global was synonymous with titles and, and, and being perennial contenders. So mm. it'll be nice to see if uh, there are rumors swirling around that maybe the club is for sale, maybe new ownership is being tapped. Um, whether or not that is true, uh, we, we'll have to wait to see. But right now, they're on the path to uh, rehabilitation, and it's nice to see that the league has stepped in and really stamped their authority on this one and, and to show the fans that they're, they're taking the integrity of the league seriously. You know, um, It's been something that's been thrown around in the dark and spoken about in, in, in corners here or there that, you know, uh, the, the league has been a little bit soft with regards to uh, how certain teams are operating. And to see them uh, really take a hard stance is refreshing. And it, it really provides an opportunity for fans to see that um, despite all of the trouble that has surrounded Philippine club football over the last few years, they're willing to take the proper and necessary steps to ensure that maybe this year will be an improvement. And certainly the next year, uh, we're in the right trajectory. Huge props to Coco, uh, Coco Tori for that. You know, I think he, he, listen, it's not like he's a flush with loads of teams that, that want to enter the league, right? He, he's in a very difficult situation here and he's had to make a tough call. But I think he's made the right one here because you could easily let Global off the hook. You keep a team happy and you keep them afloat and you, you've got the teams that you need in order to, 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 to conduct the league. But he's, he's come out and he said that no, this is this is this isn't right. You know, you need to make sure that these things are eradicated from the game, and um, they need to be held accountable for, for the things that they've done. So, uh, really interested to see how these how this develops. Exactly what you said. I, I hope I hope that they can have, again get back to what they were before this the shadow global that we've seen in the, in the last couple of years, which. It's just been difficult to watch them show up for games with no players, um, you know, get beat heavily at the hands of teams that they used to beat routinely back in the day. Um, 
you know, I need to be careful what I wish for here because I hated Players Global when I played against them when I was in Kaya, but, you know, they, they were, you know, they were the first team that was going out on the AFC stage and performing really, really well. You know, they, they were trailblazers, you know, when I first came over, they, they were really trying to push the envelope with regards to what was feasible and what was possible um, for club football here in the Philippines. And I think they laid a lot of the foundation and groundwork for teams like Kyra and, and Serres to be successful on the continental stage. So, you know, for, for that, we need, we need a healthy global if the, if the domestic game is going to thrive. So I, I hope that, um, yeah, like you said, whether they have new ownership or not, I don't know. That, that seems to be a little bit murky. Uh, that that situation obviously needs to be resolved, but I, I hope before too long that, that a the financial um, irregularities can be fixed up pretty quickly. Uh, people can get paid up for what they're owed, and, uh, and and we get to see global back on the pitch, fully healthy, fully fit, and and contending um, in a manner in which they were, you know, four or five years ago. Uh, the additional thing to be excited about is global, hopefully sorting themselves out, but also the addition of new and fresh teams. Uh, to the league. Uh, there's been rumblings that there are certain individuals who are being tapped up to come in and explore the uh, the opportunity of putting up a new team mm. in the PFL. And with, I believe, uh, the environment in, wi- in which we find ourselves in, it's commonly accepted that the restrictions need to be pulled down uh, mm. in order for more teams to be able to reach uh, the necessary requirements to... to to become a contender and uh, that means we might start seeing some interesting new additions and uh, uh, one or two new clubs would really be an interesting new development to the team uh, to the to the league especially with the last two years behind us already and the the key word of sustainability front and center in everybody's mind as well it'd be interesting to see how this pans out mm, you sound like you know something are you a man in the know or you just want to keep the cards close to your chest here jing I've heard rumblings, Chris. That's what rumblings. I heard. Rumblings. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, sort of, maybe there's people that are doing a rumbling. Maybe we, maybe we should get them on the show in the, uh, in the <laughs> upcoming weeks. But I think there's going to be announcements, aren't there, Jing? I think I'd be surprised if this is the full quota of teams that are going to be entering in the league. Um, I think it'd be great to get some fresh blood, fresh impetus in, uh, impetus in, the, in the league because, um, I mean, obviously you've got Kaya and, and Stallions who are kind of, they are... For me, still the semblance of what they have been, what they always are. Um, but the other team seems to be taking on different guys. Is obviously Mendiola, uh, a fairly newish team. I mean, they've, they've been in, involved in, in, in club football before, but have re-emerged back in the league. We've lost Archers. Um, we've lost Air Force. Uh, the other armed forces teams aren't competing. Um, global, as we've alluded to, they're, they're not quite the same. So we, we uh, and then the Ascal's development squad are obviously the at the moment providing that kind of the freshness, that 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 new team that everyone's going to be interested to to find out a little more about. But yeah, I, I would love to see an, an, another edition. Maybe there is one on the horizon. We'll see. And I'm hoping an announcement will be made in the upcoming uh, weeks because I think. Um, yeah, if, if my rumblings are the same as your rumblings that I'm hearing in, in, the, in the darkest corners, I think there might be some exciting stuff coming up pretty soon. Yeah, so hopefully the next time we do this, it'll be about this new team, a, a new factor in Philippine football. But um, that, that seems to be it for now. You know, there's the return to training. There's uh, UCFC, which we need to get used to, at least for the next year or so before they find their community. And uh, what's to happen with Global? We're all holding our breath to see how that transpires. Uh, 
whether all the financial problems get not swept under the rug, but actually dealt with this time around. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see in the next couple of weeks that Philippine football is a lot healthier than what we thought it would be uh, just a couple of weeks ago. You know, um, things are changing very quickly. I really hope so. I think we had our preview episode way back in February for this yeah. season, and we are now approaching August. So we were we were definitely premature with our <laughs> uh, <laughs> with our preseason predictions that that we gave way way back when. Um, and look, the most important thing for me, and one thing I, I, I want to get across to everyone who listens, is we need to make sure that everything's the protocols and the measures that are, take, are in place to ensure that everyone's safe. You know, I know that I spoke with Coco about this the other day, and he he's pretty adamant um, that the the protocols are in place um, to ensure that the safety of the players, the staff, you know, ground crew at the stadium, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, everything's taken um, in order to maximise their safety. I think I was saying to you earlier, you know, Neil Etheridge was telling me about some of the protocols that he has at Cardiff, and it's so stringent. It's so stringent. Um, but I think what you have is, yeah. is one of the safest possible environments that you could have, you know, because they are getting tested consistently. They are regularly getting swabbed. You know, they, they, they're, they are limiting the amount of people that they get at the training facilities. You know, they are traveling to games as an individual. Uh, he was even telling me things like when uh, they have to sign a waiver for when they fill up at a gas station, for example, they have to make sure that they're wearing gloves. You know, so all of these things are, are in place to ensure that the, the appropriate measures are, are there to make sure that the games can go ahead because that's what you all want to see. You know, we all want to see that. Um, we want to see this 2020 season get underway because Lord knows we've been waiting long enough. Um, and yeah, with so much, as we said earlier, so much riding on this season. Um, even if it's a condensed season, even if there might be a little asterisk for whoever wins it at, at, at the end of the season, there, there's a huge, huge carrot that's dangling in front of everyone. And um, yeah, we all just miss football, don't we? So I, I want to see some, some local football back on um, back on show because Lord knows yep. we've missed it. And and that, that, that actually brings me to an interesting development as well. Uh, President uh, Nono Araneta talking about where we might be seeing this football that we're all yearning for? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be on TV? Well, the answer to that is both. The, the, the promise to Qatar Airways is that we, the, there is a need to air a certain number of matches on TV in order for that sponsorship to kick in. So there is pressure on the league to ensure that this is shown on uh, free national television alongside the live stream as well. So... A uh, bit of good news in that department for those. Do you know where, that are where, where is that going to be, Jing? Do you know what network that, that's going to be? Has that been announced, or is that still in the works? Um, that's still in the works, and okay. um, although obviously with everything that has transpired with ABS-CBN, well, mm. you could rule them out, right? So yeah. that doesn't leave too many options out there, but um, they're certainly going to be discussing with those options uh, who will be willing to take on. Or, or even just block time, you know, um, as long as they have an opportunity to show, show the games uh, on, on TV. So that's going to be a requirement. So that's something to expect in this 2020 season. That'd be brilliant. Really look forward to that. Really yeah. look forward to that. Brilliant news. All right. Uh, I think that does it for us on, on this one. Uh, really just 
catching up and, and keeping everybody abreast on how things are going in the world of Philippine football. Uh, as we said, a lot going on over the last two weeks. And hopefully in two weeks' time, we've got plenty more to speak about and discuss as well. Anything else, Chris? No, I, I, I don't want to end on a somber note, but I think it's really important um, that we uh, address some of the really devastating news um, that we've received in, in, in the football community um, in in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Roland Sadia passing away was a huge shock to me. Um, he was a goalkeeper who had many run-ins on, on, on the field. Um, he was a, immensely passionate individual, um, a fantastic goalkeeper. And one thing that always sticks with me about Roland is, um, I don't know if you remember um, uh, Iago Kiza, who uh, Ivorian, young Ivorian boy, he played for Kaya. Uh, he was also at Ceres and Pachanga. Um, he knew of Roland Sadia back in Ivory Coast. Mm. And um, he told me in, in Ivory Coast, Roland Sadia is held, was, was held in such high regard. You know, he was like, you know, people like um, Yeza Cora and um, Didier Drogba and people like that would, would know him. And like, nah, he's, you know, he's, he was someone of that kind of caliber growing up. That's how high esteem he was held back in his homeland. And, you know, he, he, I remember him telling me that he was telling people back home in, in Ivory Coast that he was playing in the same league as Roland Sadio and they couldn't believe it. They were saying, wow, like that must be like an honour to be playing at that kind of level. Like it was, it was really strange to hear someone talk about the Philippine League as having that level of prestige just because of another player um, playing in this competition. Um, yeah, obviously... Um, the findings we, we, we're awaiting that, but you know he was he was so entrenched in Philippine football here. He was involved at the academy level, uh, um, doing goalkeeper coaching, and he even did some work for my brother. And he was such an incredible coach. Again, all of the passion and enthusiasm that you saw on the pitch. Um, he was synonymous, wasn't he, for the um, pre-game and post-game like uh, team talks and stuff. He would say things, he would say prayers in, in French, but he was so passionate. No one knew what he was saying, but you could get the gist of what he was saying just from his. Is, is um his enthusiasm and, and how how passionate he was and and he brought that enthusiasm onto the training pitch he was he was a really remarkable goalkeeper coach so yeah i just want to say to Ro yeah, roland so sad to um hear of his passing he was again someone who was really you know he found his roots here in the philippines and really um entrenched himself in in the culture um and it's just really, really sad to see him go. What, what a, what a great guy! Only thirty-four years of age. Such a sad, sad passing, and um, yeah, really, really felt within the the Philippine football community. So, so sad. One of two uh, unfortunate passings in the world of uh, Philippine football as well. Uh, one was only half Roland's age, actually. Uh, the sister of Marty Bautista, Elena yeah. uh, Bautista, who was set to play for Ateneo, passed away. Uh, yeah. as well not long after Roland so um, rest in peace to the both of them you know it's, yeah. it's, it's a terrible loss for the families and for the community of football here uh, in the country um, yeah it's just uh, it's been rough you know uh, last couple of weeks uh, especially for everybody who knew uh, the pair so uh, we said our thoughts and prayers uh, 
to those left behind, uh, Barola and Sabia and uh, Elena Bautista. Um, so that's it. Uh, that's a wrap up uh, of the world of Philippine football uh, for this week. Uh, we look forward to catching you guys on the next Football Friday. If you enjoyed this one, we hope you do subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Look for us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter uh, and uh, interact with us over there. That's it uh, on this Football Friday. We look forward to catching you next time.